to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Holy moly, you guys, I just discovered something. This is episode 146. As always, I have your back and I create a corresponding article so you don't have to keep all this stuff in mind that I'm talking about. You can go about your life and your business and then go back to the episode by finding the episode by number. But since I thought this was 145, every time I mention it in the article where there's a place to go back to and find a dose or a detail, I say go to episode 145. Scratch that or reverse it. You want to go to avivaram.com forward slash 146 for the corresponding article to this episode. Thanks for your understanding. It was either this quick public service announcement or re-record the entire podcast. And I decided to take the easy, smart way and keep the pod and trust you to remember to switch that in your mind. So it's avivaram.com forward slash episode 146. Enjoy. Hey everybody, Aviva Ram here with you, and I will tell you the state that I am in today. I am doing something I really never do, which is I'm sitting here in my sweatpants, my favorite slippers, and my running top, my like running bra, because I just hopped off my bicycle. I have an outdoor bike, but it's on an indoor trainer, and I took a meeting on my bike, and I am so behind on everything I'm doing right now. Do you ever feel that way? You're just like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to catch up and, and, and get ahead on this, but that's where I am. So I am in this moment of the only thing I can do is surrender to the chaos and breathe into it. And you know what? It really works, actually. I find that when I just remember that it's just feelings and I can step out of the feelings I'm like, okay, I can reset how I think about this, slow down, pick and choose a little bit more. It helps a little bit, but I'm just here empathizing with those of you who are in the chaos, in the moment and inviting you to breathe along with me. I'm here for you. I know you're here for me thinking about each other. And one of the things that I do love to do is hop on here and chat with you and hang out and bring you what I hope is information that is nourishing for your body and your mind and your spirit. And today's topic is heavy periods, what causes them and what you can do. And this is really relevant for women and people with wombs at any age, whether it's teenagers all the way into our perimenopausal years. And this topic, heavy periods, first of all, makes me think of this skit I saw. I love Jennifer Lopez. I don't know what it is about her. I think it's because I'm from New York and I went to high school in the Bronx for my one year of high school before I went off to college in Massachusetts. But I'm like a New Yorker through and through. And there's just something, you know, she's Jenny from the block, right? But she's got this amazing skit. I think it's amazing where it's all about her white pants. So it's a Saturday Night Live skit where Jennifer Lopez has her white pants on and it just cracks me up. I mean, like I just watch it once in a while, like once a year, just to, just for giggles. 
Anyway, heavy periods. That's what we're talking about today. And at least 50% of women actually struggle with them well enough to absolutely skip wearing white pants during that time of the month. And for one in six women, heavy periods are severe enough to significantly impact quality of life from disruptive, frequent trips to the bathroom, often with a pad or tampon shoved up your sleeve when you're in the regular work environment. Maybe being home during COVID has made that part a little bit easier. But, you know, frequent trips to the bathroom to change pads or tampons to serious at-work period accidents. There's even an article, uh, I think it was in like Bustle or something, about a woman who has such a horrendous period accident that she's actually in the bathroom the first time, um, calling to a colleague to run out and get her a box of pads or tampons. And then it happens again, like an hour later. And now she has stripped off her clothes and washed her pants in the sink only to realize that all she's got is her thong um, that's wet now from rinsing it too. And she can't put her clothes back on. So she happened to work at a fashion magazine and she called down to the wardrobe department and someone brought her up some clothes. And what really upset me about that article was the fact that it was just like, oh, this is normal. Like, hmm, I just better be more prepared for my heavy flow. But heavy flow can actually have serious impediments on a woman's life, a person's life. You can end up staying home from work, missing social engagements, and basically living life in fear of public period accidents. So for one, I wanted to say to heck with worrying about what people think. Women bleed, period. But heavy periods are more than just awkward, and that's part of what I want to talk about today. They're draining, exhausting, and they're often accompanied by heavier cramping, too. And not just that, they can be telling you something that is going on with your hormones or underlying conditions. Maybe you've heard that it's just normal to have heavy periods, right? It's just part of having a menstrual cycle. Nope. And perhaps like so many women, you've even heard from your doctor that it's normal to have a heavy period. Wrong. Blowing through pads or tampons every cycle, stressing about period accidents, arranging your life around your period, or feeling dang tired each month or all the time is anything but normal. And it's certainly not something you should have to just deal with ever. So today in this episode, I'm going to share the causes of heavy periods along with what you can do to identify your underlying causes, lighten your flow, and take back your life if heavy periods have been getting you down. But first things first, how do you know if you have a heavy period? I mean, we're just told that periods can be heavy and that's just sort of it, right? Like that's normal. Well, normal blood loss actually has a measurement and that is 30 to 80 milliliters or one to six tablespoons over your whole period. That is the equivalent of about two shot glasses full. I know kind of a gross way to think about menstrual blood in your shot glass, but you know what I mean when you visualize that. But what does that really mean anyway? Like, how do you translate that into what's going on in your body? Because obviously you're not going to get out a shot glass and measure your menstrual blood, right? It doesn't work that way. So here are the most common signs that your period is truly heavy, not like, oh, I have a heavy flow, but like diagnosably a heavy period. Your period lasts longer than seven days. You need to use more than six pads or tampons per day, not fully soaked, or you're soaking through more than two pads or tampons in a day. Like they're ringable when you take them out. 
You typically need to change your pads or tampons after only one or two hours, hence the running to the bathroom frequently if you are out at work or home. You're regularly soaking through your clothes on your period or having to double up on pads so that you don't. So look, bleeding through your your pad into your clothes or into your bedclothes once in a while, it happens. Like we probably all had that happen. But I'm talking about it's happening like several times a day on your period, it's happening every day on your period, or it's happening every period. It's not just the like once in a blue moon, oh my gosh, that just happened, or like, you know, a couple of times in your lifetime. You have to change your tampon or pad during the night. So like, it's not that you wake up and you have to go pee and you're like, oh, let me change my pad or tampon. It's like you get up because it feels full or because you know that you're going to soak through if you have to change your pad or tampon at night, uh, if you don't change it. You're passing blood clots the size of a quarter or larger with your period blood. So it's normal to pass small clots now and again. It's just the blood hits the air, it clots up. It's part of how our body prevents us from hemorrhaging with our period. But if you're throwing clots that are bigger than, you know, as big or bigger than a quarter, um, that is suggesting that your body is ramping up the clotting mechanisms to help deal with that heavy bleeding. And finally, you're having to plan your activities around your period. You know, you're thinking, yeah, no, I'm not going swimming because I would just ble- bleed through onto the sand or no, I'm not going to that party or we're definitely not going on a date that night. You're just like thinking through it. You're planning your wedding around when your period is or isn't due, right? If you consistently have a heavy period, you may also find yourself feeling weak, tired, and sluggish during the day, which can be a sign of iron deficiency anemia due to a consistently heavy period. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but um, just put a pin in that. That's also a, a potential symptom. So before I dive in too much further, I want to remind you that I know that you are going about your life while you're listening to me chat, 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 and chat with you. So you might be in your car, you might be on your exercise bike, you might be out for a hike, you might be doing something that (laughs) you're just wanting to listen to something else while you're on that Zoom meeting. Who knows? You don't have to remember everything I'm saying. If you head over to avivaram.com forward slash 145, that's the number 145 with the digits 145, because that's the number of this episode of Natural MD Radio, you'll find a corresponding article that has all the deets. So you don't have to remember whether, you know, what the symptoms are. You don't have to remember any of the foods or supplements that I talk about. You just go right over there. You can download it, print it, bookmark it, whatever you love to do. Um, But you don't have to worry about it. You can just listen, take it in, and then re- read it later or just go in for the deets that you want. In fact, over at my new website, I have a really cool new feature, which is when you look at the wonderful images that I pick on my website, um, you see an article outline and that's actually a live outline that toggles down. So if you want to just be like, ah, what can I do to ease my heavy period? You click on that in the outline, it'll take you right down to it. How long does it take? Click on that in the outline and you'll find it all kind of like categorized underneath all of those things to make it really easy for you. So let's talk about why periods are so heavy. Heavy periods have a wide range of causes. Most commonly, they're due to hormone imbalances, particularly high estrogen levels, or not ovulating. 
but they can be due to a variety of other underlying causes from PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, to an uncommon but completely rare, I'm sorry, uncommon but not completely rare genetic bleeding disorder that can cause heavy periods. And I mean heavy. I'm going to talk about all of these, just kind of giving you the highlights here. So you can, I'm going to talk to you more about the causes in just like one second. And you can see if you can identify whether any of these sound similar to what you're experiencing in addition to your heavy flow. The underlying cause will help you identify the best strategy for you for reducing your heavy flow once and for all. If it's a genetic disorder causing bleeding, the herbs and supplements may help some, but not so much. It's a genetic thing and all the diet in the world isn't going to stop that. But if it's high estrogen, if you're not ovulating, um, if you have PCOS or some of the other underlying conditions, those are things that you actually can get a handle on with an integrative natural approach. And um, But depending on the cause, self-strategies so, you know, self may be all that you need, or you may need to pay a visit to your favorite medical provider to help you sort out a diagnosis and the next steps. And before we part for today, I'm going to talk about the conventional therapies that also help. You know, I always go for natural first. And as I've shared with you previously, I mean, I can honestly truly tell you I have taken one antibiotic in 41 years. I'm not a big pharmaceutical person. I don't prescribe a lot of pharmaceuticals to my patients, but I'm also not a throw the baby out with the bathwater person either. I'm pretty balanced actually. So when it comes to conventional medicine, um, often the tools are really valuable. It's just that sometimes the messengers who bring us those tools are jaded and don't think holistically and don't necessarily respect women. Hopefully you have a doctor or healthcare provider that does. Um, so it's often the system, not the solution that is the problem. And it's the overuse of the solution, but learning when those pharmaceutical solutions are appropriate is also really important. And I just never want you to feel like coming to me because this is natural MD radio, um, is somehow judgmental or, you know, it's all one way or it, you know, it's all that way or the highway. It's not like that at all. And I'm going to talk about that when I get to the conventional therapies. So let's start with the most common causes of heavy periods and a few less common causes that you should know about. And then I'll walk you through what you can do, both the natural options and conventional ones, and then you can decide what's best for you. And that may be a combination. So starting with the most common, high estrogen levels. Estrogen is a marvelous hormone. At the right levels, it plays a central role in our reproductive brain, bone, and heart health. During the first half of each menstrual cycle, called the proliferative phase, your uterine lining naturally builds up or proliferates, that's why it's called that, under the influence of estrogen. Estrogen makes tissues grow. This lining is then shed with each menstrual cycle, leading to the menstrual flow. What you see coming out as menstrual flow is a mixture of mucus and that lining of your uterine, the endometrial lining. Um, heavy periods can be a sign that this layer has been building up too thickly as a result of estrogen levels that might be too high. In addition to heavy periods, a few of the many symptoms of excess estrogen that suggest this might be a cause for you include premenstrual breast tenderness, short menstrual cycles, which are defined as less than 21 days between periods, but ideally your periods aren't less than 26 days apart, 
water retention, mood swings, and menstrual migraines. Do you need to get checked for high estrogen levels? Not necessarily. If you kind of fit this general picture and you don't have any other major medical things going on, um, you, you know, like a, a history of breast cancer or endometrial cancer or history of that in your mom, you don't need to get checked for uh, your estrogen levels. You can assume that if you have these heavy periods and those other things, it's probably what's going on and give it a few months to sort itself out with the protocol I'm going to give you. But um, it's always appropriate if you feel like you should get, uh, you know, hormone level check to, to go and get it done. And you just want to make sure that you're getting your estrogen checked, ideally somewhere between day three and day seven of your menstrual cycle, if your menstrual cycle is generally regular. So what causes high estrogen? Well, there are several main causes. One is environmental estrogen exposures. Endocrine disrupting chemicals from our food, water, cosmetics, body products, our water bottle, plastic water bottles, and our homes are disrupting our hormones at every turn. In part because they're so easily absorbable, they're found in the body at much higher concentrations than your body's own natural, natural estrogen levels. Xenoestrogens, which mean literally foreign estrogens, mimic naturally occurring estrogen, disrupting how it functions and creating higher levels of circulating estrogen. In one study, women's pesticide exposure was linked to a 60 to 99% risk of having longer menstrual cycles, skipped periods, and mid-cycle bleeding compared with women with, no exp- with little to no exposure. So environmental exposures, big one to get rid of in your as much as you can in your in your home and your cosmetics. Over at my website, if you go to the article at avivaram.com forward slash 145 and scroll down to estrogen dis- exposures or endocrine disrupting chemicals, you'll find a link over to my article on exactly how to clean up your home environment, body products, etc to reduce your exposures to endocrine disrupting chemicals. This is also really important for pregnant mamas, and I'll tell you why. A lot of what we experience once we kick into puberty and then our 20s and 30s and 40s is genetically pre-programmed when we're still in utero. So not to be all scary or, you know, no mom blaming here, no thank you, Dr. Freud, but what we are exposed to when we're pregnant, at no fault of our own, of course, all these environmental exposures are happening without our say-so, um, you know, out there in the greater world. We are, we are shifting the genetic programming of our daughters and sons' uh, future hormone balance, as well as their immune system and stress response system is a pretty big deal. So as much as you can, you know, even if you're not thinking of having kids for 20 years, even if you're really never thinking of having kids, like half of all pregnancies are unintended. Um, Really do yourself a favor, do the environment a favor and do any future generations a favor if you can to reduce your exposure. And here's the crazy thing. Studies look at reductions in our exposure just on the things that we have in our control, like getting rid of sunscreen or body lotions that have phthalates in them, which are a plasticizer, but also create artificial fragrance. Five days, you can reduce your blood levels of phthalates substantially just by taking those out of your lifestyle for five days. Same with plastic water bottles. These studies have been done. They're good studies and really um, create just like a major no-brainer argument for making that a priority. 
Another source of estrogen is pharmaceuticals. From estrogen-containing birth control pills and other forms of estrogen-containing hormonal contraceptives to hormone replacement therapy, medications containing estrogen can be a cause of heavy menstrual or more accurately cyclic hormone withdrawal on those days you go off your pill or the ring, bleeding. I kid you not, I have had several patients and many, many women outside of my practice who were in their 40s, heading into perimenopause, their ob or their integrative practitioner put them on some hormone replacement therapy, put them on a bioidentical with estrogen in it, and ended up having such heavy bleeding. Two women have come to me in the past few years on the verge of a hysterectomy because they were on these hormones. They started having this heavy bleeding. Their doctor told them it was probably endometrial cancer. I was like, what? Okay, well, yeah, let's get the biopsy. That's really important. But let's take you off these hormones and voila, not only do the does the bleeding stop, but the, the um, endometrial biopsy returns to normal because the estrogen was stimulating all that endometrial proliferation. So if you've been put on or have been on an estrogen containing any kind of medication, that can be the cause. And if, yeah, so just really, really keep that in mind if you're experiencing new bleeding since that started. And it could be months from when you start the medication to when it happens. So it's not like, oh, the, I started taking this last week. So you go to your doctor and, and the doctor's like, well, you've been on this for months and it hadn't ca- caused a problem before. It's like, <laughs> you want to ask your doctor, where did you get your degree from Google University? Because it takes a few months for the proliferation to happen. All right. Another cause of high estrogen levels is under-supported detoxification systems. So detoxification and detox are two different things. I'm not talking about a juice cleanse or a celery juice fast or anything like that. Not to diss those, I'm just saying that's not what I'm talking about here. I may be dissing them a tiny bit, but not completely. Detoxification is a process that your body goes through in your liver and your gut to break down the hormones that your body is naturally producing as well as the ones that you're getting from your environmental exposures, as well as pharmaceuticals, food byproducts, and all kinds of things. It is the key way that we break down, package, and eliminate estrogen through our liver and then through our bowels. And it's a nutrient-dependent process. So your liver requires enough protein, specific vitamins, and minerals to function optimally and do this job. So on top of the endocrine disruptor overload that most of us are getting, many of us statistically aren't getting enough supportive nutrients from our daily diets to help our bodies break down and eliminate estrogen effectively. So we end up with a mismatch of high environmental uh, toxin exposure and look, herbicides, pesticides, all of these things act as estrogens in our body. So we have that going on combined with nutrient-poor diets, and that can result in an overwhelmed and underperforming detoxification system that can't clear estrogen effectively. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you what to do. Finally, another cause of elevated estrogen is a disrupted gut microbiome. Within your gut, there's a special collection of bacteria known as, get this, your estrobilome. So it's like estrogen and microbiome. Its entire job is regulating estrogen levels. I personally think that is incredibly cool. When your microbiome is out of balance, these bacteria might not break down and help you eliminate estrogen properly. 
Too much estrogen from a disrupted estrobilome is associated with heavy periods and other gynecologic symptoms. In the medical literature, I'm not making this stuff up. It's, it's documented. It's really cool studies looking at all this stuff. All right, so let's switch from high estrogen to another underlying cause of, um, of heavy periods, and that is not ovulating. So you've got this proliferative phase, right? Your uterine lining builds up in the first half of your cycle. And then each month around mid-cycle, ideally, we ovulate. That is, release an egg from one of our ovaries. If you're not ovulating regularly, there's a good chance you're having periods that are more than 35 or more days apart and may occur irregularly. This allows your uterine lining more time to build up with heavier bleeding when your period finally does start. This is because if you don't ovulate, um, so when you ovulate, right after ovulation, your hormones shift and they shift in a down, kind of like they down ramp toward um, bleeding. So first your estrogen has another peak where it goes up and then your progesterone has an, a peak where it goes up after ovulation. And then they they kind of biodegrade after 14 days, the part of your ovary that's producing that progesterone called the corpus luteum, that's the spot where the egg pump pops out of, um, it stops producing progesterone. It goes through something called atresia. It just dies away. If you get pregnant that cycle, then it, it doesn't do that. But if you don't get pregnant that cycle, your progesterone goes down. When your progesterone goes down, that triggers your uterine lining to shed. So if you don't ovulate and you don't get that peak in progesterone and then that drop in progesterone, there's nothing sort of flipping the switch on your uterine lining building up. So it's just going to keep building up until eventually it naturally sloughs off. So if you have a 35-day cycle, a 40, a 45-day cycle, unless you have something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, where you're very underweight and low BMI and low body fat, and you're not cycling at all or hardly ever, which can happen too, but that almost never leads to heavy bleeding. That almost always leads to completely skip periods and really light periods. But if you're having these irregular periods and then you bleed, they're often going to be much heavier because that lining has been building up and building up. One of the most common cause. Oh, how do you know if you're ovulating? Um, well, if you ovulate, you have more regular cycles, first of all, and then mid cycle, you would produce, um, spin mucus, which is this stringy, stretchy. It's been compared to egg whites, kind of cervical mucus that you see as vaginal discharge. And that's considered fertile window mucus. So if you're having these irregular cycles or skipping periods or these long, you know, more than 35 days, apart periods and no mid-cycle fertile mucus, um, there's a really good chance you're not ovulating. Sleep problems in the second half of your menstrual cycle, um, possibly difficulty conceiving, these can also all be signs that you're not ovulating. Now, one of the most common causes of both skipped ovulation and heavy periods is PCOS. You can have skipped ovulation and heavy periods and not have PCOS, but it is one of the most common causes. 74% of women with PCOS don't ovulate regularly or at all. Symptoms specifically suggesting PCOS include infrequent periods greater than 35 days apart, acne, hair loss, hair in unwanted places, depression, irregular cycles, darkened velvety textured skin around the neck, armpits, or groin in severe cases, 
weight gain, and actually difficulty losing weight no matter how you try, skin tags, and difficulty getting pregnant. Interestingly, also, it's just been uncovered scientifically that men can have a very similar experience to PCOS minus the menstrual cycle stuff. So men can experience the insulin resistance, the acne, the hair loss, the depression, all of that stuff. So if you are um, a trans woman, I don't, I, I apologize if I do not say things correctly, but in the interest of inclusion here, if you are identified as woman, born with male parts, don't exclude PCOS because you may not have the menstrual experience, but you may be having all the other stuff with it. So just a word about that because um, untreated PCOS has all the same lifelong risks as untreated diabetes. It's crazy. So something to be aware of. So skipped ovulation can also be due to stress. When your body thinks you're under too much stress, it triggers cortisol production, which suppresses ovulation. Poor sleep, chronically elevated cortisol again comes into the picture. It's a result of poor sleep, just like it is a result of stress, and it suppresses melatonin. Low melatonin can reduce ovarian function and ovulation and can cause irregular menstrual cycles. Let me take a sip of tea here. I have a lovely little chai tea next to me. Chai, chai tea is redundant. Um, Okay, missing nutrients can lead to um, not ovulating. So a number of nutrients are critically important for ovarian health and supporting ovulation, including B vitamins, vitamin C, calcium, and vitamin D. You also need CoQ10, ribose, and lots of mitochondrial support. Adequate levels of these various nutrients can help improve ovulation and fertility, which I'll talk about in other podcasts and in my book, Hormone Intelligence, there's a whole section, um, and reverse insulin resistance, with both, with both, which both impact PCOS as well. I mentioned low body weight. So low body weight can cause you to skip ovulation, but it's not going to cause heavy periods. So I just mentioned it because it's one of the things that can cause skipped ovulation. Okay. <clears throat> Another factor that can cause heavy periods are endometriosis and adenomyosis. In endometriosis, endometrial-like tissue, similar to that which normally lines the inside of your uterus, is found in other parts of your body, most commonly in your abdominal uh, cavity. In adenomyosis, this tissue actually grows into the other layers of the uterus, the muscle layers. Estrogen causes thickening of this tissue, both inside and outside the uterus. And when hormonal fluctuations trigger this tissue to shed, bleeding can be especially heavy and periods quite painful. With adenomyosis, because the tissue is embedded in the uterine muscle, it also prevents the uterus from contracting properly. And it's that uterine contraction that helps efficiently slough off that uterine lining, but also prevents excess bleeding because it contract the muscle contracts around the blood vessels, kind of staunching them off or tourniqueting them off. I talk about the symptoms of endometriosis in another podcast and blog. So head over to episode 145, uh, head over to avivaram.com forward slash 145, scroll down to endometriosis, and then you'll find the link over to the article on endometriosis. And you can see if those symptoms resonate with you. Uterine fibroids and polyps can also cause heavy bleeding. Uterine fibroids are non-cancerous growths of muscle tissue in or on the uterus. They're different than endometriosis tissue. 
and they can also be on the cervix and are known to contribute to heavy bleeding. A few theories as to why this happens include increased pressure on the uterine lining from the fibroid or polyp, interference with the uterus's ability to properly contract, as I just mentioned, stimulation of growth of the blood vessels in the same way that the uterine fibroid tissue grows. Some of the chemical underpinnings of that and the hormonal underpinnings of that may stimulate the growth of blood vessels in the uterus and elevating certain hormone levels, all of which can cause abnormal bleeding and irregular cycles. One thing we also know is that uterine fibroids are fed by high estrogen levels. So that brings us back to estrogen, excess estrogen as a cause of both uterine fibroids and heavy periods. Like fibroids, uterine polyps, which are growths off of the endometrial tissue that lines the uterus and the cervix, can cause abnormal bleeding for much of the same reason as fibroids um, are thought to contribute. So those are the big, more likely factors that cause heavy periods and in order, like those are the kind of order of them. Less common causes of heavy periods include something called von Willebrand's syndrome or von Willebrand's disease. It's estimated that up to 20% of women with very heavy periods may in fact have this inherited bleeding disorder. It usually shows up in a woman's teens or early 20s and a very heavy blood flow, very heavy menstrual cycle flow can be the first sign of it. So there may be people who have had some nosebleeds or had a cut that just bled too much. It's not hemophilia, it's different than hemophilia, but it is like hemophilia, it's a disease where there's um, the body doesn't clot off blood well. And so if you have torrential periods, like just torrential bleeding, if your daughter or someone you know has that, um, it definitely warrants a blood test for this condition because it is truly missed so often. It puts a woman at risk for bleeding from other con- you know, like injuries. Um, and so it's something that um, you would need to, to address medically, but the only way to know it is to get that genetic test. So heavy, 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 heavy periods. You've had them since you started your period. You, you know, you never, nobody ever asked you about it. Most doctors don't think to ask about it or test for it. You're having heavy periods in your twenties. Um, and like, you know, you're, you're pumping through pads or tampons, go get checked for it. It's really worth it. Underlying, there are some other underlying factors and conditions too. Um, one is really uncommon, but it's important to know that heavy bleeding along with irregular bleeding and spotting between periods can be a sign of certain cancers like cervical and endometrial cancer and should be ruled out as part of your medical care. Those are almost never going to happen. Like they wouldn't happen just with your period. They would be happening other times as well. But anytime you start having heavy bleeding out of nowhere and you've never had it before, that is definitely a time, as I will repeat, to go get an evaluation. And you can go to an MD, you can go to a nurse practitioner, you can go to a certified nurse midwife. Um, All of us are able to do this work up for you. So if you, you know, have MD hesitancy or just want like a provider that's more kind of steeped in women's health, a CNM is a great choice, certified nurse midwife, for example. Heavy bleeding can also be a sign of a few other underlying conditions, including premature menopause, pelvic inflammatory disease, diabetes, and less commonly thyroid problems. It can also be a side effect of medications or other interventions, including the pill, copper IUDs, anti-clotting medications, and certain types of chemotherapy. 
Keep in mind, miscarriages are also commonly mistaken for a heavy period. So if this is a one-off heavy period, you've never had heavy periods before and now you're having this like gusher, you could possibly have been pregnant. So keep that in mind too. And you know, get the care that is most suitable for you and most appropriate. I do have an article and podcast on um, miscarriage at home, when that's safe and when it's not, um, and, you know, what you need to know. So talking about what you need to know, what can you do to ease heavy periods? First things first, it is critical to assess for and address underlying medical conditions. As I said, if you're experiencing new onset of heavy menstrual bleeding, and or pain, fever, like abdominal pain, pelvic pain, fever, unpleasant smelling vaginal discharge, or any other new symptoms or unusual symptoms, it's really important to see your medical provider and rule out a more serious medical condition like a pelvic infection or endometrial cancer. Heavy bleeding, again, can also be due to miscarriage, and that may sometimes require medical attention. I also recommend if you chronically or historically have heavy periods, get checked for iron deficiency anemia. If you have low energy, fatigue, low mood, frank depression, difficulty focusing around your period or generally, because it's not like anemia comes and goes around your period. It can get worse if you have heavy blood loss after your period, but anemia is um, something that can definitely result from heavy bleeding and it requires the right nutrients sometimes Um, taking iron supplements, and more severe anemia can really cause significant symptoms like breathing difficulties, a racing heart, particularly following strenuous activity. So getting your iron levels back to normal can make a world of difference in how you feel, even without any other interventions. And if you have heavy periods, you want to make sure that you are regularly including iron-rich foods in your diet or taking an iron supplement like iron chelate, which is non-constipating. Uh, Again, over in the um, article corresponding with today's episode, I've got a link for you. Look for the words checked for iron deficiency anemia. You know, just do a search, click on that. It'll take you over to my article on iron deficiency anemia. Most causes of heavy periods are benign and treatable with natural therapies. It's important to wait. Um, you know, it's important though, not to wait to get appropriate medical care. You want to make sure that you're not just like, oh, I'm going to go all natural and not get something checked out that really does need to be checked out. But assuming more serious medical conditions have been ruled out, your symptoms have been going on for a long time. So this isn't something new. There's no pain, you know, chronic pelvic pain, fever, anything like that. And you're ready to roll up your sleeves and try some natural therapies. An integrative approach to heavy periods is a reasonable next step. Integrative medicine takes into account the many root causes or common underlying conditions, including our diets, lifestyles, environmental exposures, and the ability of our natural physiologic processes to restore balance when given the right nurturing. It also includes herbal therapies, and I'll share those that are rooted in traditional use and grounded in science. Commonly, several root causes are occurring together. For example, it's common to simultaneously have high estrogen and not be ovulating. For example, that's part of the course in PCOS a lot of times, but more generally too, you don't have to have PCOS for that combination. So a combined holistic approach is usually the most effective, but have a listen and I'm going to talk about um, these different approaches and you can put together a protocol based on these different options that's best for you. You will also find a complete guided protocol and plan for easing heavy periods along with how to optimize your hormonal and total health in my new book, 
hormone intelligence, which you can find by going to avivaram.com forward slash book. And if you order it now, pre-order it um, while we're still in any time up to June of 2022, believe it or not, you'll get some really wonderful free gifts for the um, for, with your order if you go through my website. If you have purchased the book elsewhere, um, not through a click on my website, or even if you do purchase it through a click on my website, go back to that avivaram.com forward slash book page put in your receipt number and you will get in an automatic rollout to receive some really great um, free bonuses. So um, that's that with my book. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, one of the things I say is that um, as like a tagline for the book is reinvent your hormone story, reclaim your power, feel at home in your body again. And that's what I really, really want for you. All right. So how are we going to sort of tackle these root causes that I talked about? First, hearkening back to the excess estrogen, we're going to do everything we can to help you reduce excess estrogen. These steps that I'm going to share with you help create healthy estrogen levels by removing environmental exposures and optimizing the nutrients that support its breakdown and elimination. So first, eliminating estrogen exposures, environmental exposures. You want to eliminate exposures to endocrine disruptor disruptors that make estrogen levels in our bodies, and especially in women's bodies, because we have more fat than men, we store more estrogen. So you want to um, reduce those estrogen levels that skyrocket when we're chronically exposed to them. So you can find a full list of ways to avoid endocrine disruptors in that article that I mentioned is linked over from my, my blog. But some that are especially important to address, address for heavy periods include avoiding plastic. You want to avoid food and beverages that are in plastic containers or packaged in plastic, including water bottles. But even things like if you buy cheese wrapped in plastic, find a cheesemonger or go to a grocery counter at a deli and get your cheese wrapped in wax paper or paper. It's seriously, that stuff can really leak. That soft plastic wrap can really leak phthalates, BPS, other chemicals into your into your um, food. And look, I am not a sky is falling kind of person. I am absolutely not a conspiracy theorist, but I know environmental medicine really well. It's my jam. It's what I study. It's what I'm all about. And it's real stuff, you guys. Also, don't drink out of plastic water bottles. Carry your own glass or stainless steel water bottles, food containers, and use glasses instead of plastic. Really, really important. You also want to go clean and green with your cosmetics. Guess what? I have a whole link for you over from the corresponding pod, uh, blog too. So if you go and search go clean and green with your cosmetics, that'll take you to an article and a podcast on exactly how to do that. Cosmetics are particularly high in endocrine disruptors and are a major problem because they're directly absorbed into your circulation. And guess what? By the time most of us walk out the door in the morning, we're putting on like 15 different products and as many as 150 different chemicals when you add up all the ingredients of those products. Maybe with COVID, your body's getting a break because you're not having to hopefully go out as much. Um, but in general, most of us are getting that exposure through our shampoo, our body lotion. So even if you're home, there's a good chance. I know it can feel like a lot to swap out everything, but start by paying attention to the products that cover the most surface area of your body that you use daily. So think body lotion, soap, shampoo, if you use foundation on your face, anything that you're 
putting on a wide area. Swap that out. And I give you full instructions on how to do that over at that article and podcast that I mentioned and also in my new book. Okay, you also want to swap out your period products. Not just for environmental reasons, but also many women find that they experience much more painful and heavy periods when using conventionally produced tampons or tampons in general. So if you have heavy periods, you're really uncomfortable, you're crampy, try switching from tampons to another form of period product like menstrual pads or washable absorbent period panties. I would recommend um, menstrual cups because those are great too, but most women I know or take care of who have really heavy periods say, no pun intended, my cup runneth over and find it really annoying and they have to double up with a pad anyway. So I don't recommend um, menstrual cups if you're having heavy flow. If you prefer tampons, instead of going to pads, consider switching to an organic cotton product. They're better for you and they're better for the planet. And ditto that on menstrual pads. Go with the organic cotton ones. Yes, they cost more, but they really do, they are better for you and the planet. And not to gross you out, but you can even purchase cotton reusable ones that you wash at home. Don't grimace. They're a great option that's economical and ecological. And I know because I used them for decades. I only used disposable ones when I had to be out and about, like when I was on a hospital shift during residency. All right. So in addition to reducing your estrogen exposures through your products, you also want to optimize your diet. Optimizing the nutrients in your diet serves two major purposes. One, it provides the powerhouse nutrients that support eliminating excess estrogen, and it nourishes your estrobilome so it can better regulate your estrogen. And what's really cool, the bacteria in your estrobilome are actually able to manufacture estrogen from plants in our diet by converting a plant compound known as lignans to phytoestrogens or plant estrogens. Opposite to xenoestrogens, those foreign estrogens, phytoestrogens are actually incredibly beneficial. When estrogen levels are high, they can block the receptors and protect you from the risks of excess estrogen exposure. So how do you optimize your diet and feed your gut at the same time? Include plant sources of lignans. These include flax seeds, vegetables, and legumes. These are different than the lectins that Steve Gundry talks about, which don't get me started on that. But if you are on that thing and are worried. That's not what these are. Lignans are different. Sources include, as I mentioned, flax seeds, vegetables, and legumes. You can add two tablespoons of ground flax seed to your diet daily. You can add them to smoothies, non-dairy yogurt, or dairy yogurt if you eat dairy yogurt, and oatmeal. It's a really great way to maximize fiber. I do actually recommend not having dairy in the diet. I'm not an anti-dairy person, but it does cause inflammation in about 50% of people who eat it, and also no matter how you cut it, even the best organic dairy, you're still getting hormones from those cows or sheep or goats um, in their milk. And also non-organic dairy is just loaded with environmental hormones plus growth factors, which can make your uterine lining grow too. So I recommend no dairy for a few months while you're trying to lighten your period um, flow. So in addition to reducing environmental exposures through all the things that we talked about swapping out for your products, you want to um, reduce excess meat consumption. I already mentioned dairy, but um, limit red meat to no more than once a week and chicken to no more than twice a week, or preferably just emphasize fish and eggs and plant sources of proteins like beans and lentils. Red meat, 
poultry have been associated with heavier periods, endometriosis, um, period pain. So I'm not saying everyone has to go vegetarian or vegan. Fish, eating more fish is associated with a reduction in all of those. But particularly red meat and ham, for some reason, um, are the biggest contrib- you know, culprits. So take it out of your diet for a few months or no more than once a week at the most. You want to increase your green vegetable and fruit intake to eight to turn 10 servings a day, especially emphasize leafy greens like kale, collards, broccoli, um, and um, bok choy, napa cabbage, which help reduce excess estrogen. They support that natural detoxification process. They also bump up your fiber like crazy. Most um, of our indigenous ancestors, when we talk about like the true paleo diet, we're getting about 100 grams of fiber a day. According to the um, American Gastroenterologic Society for Preventing Colon Cancer, we need to get at least 30 grams of, of fiber a day. Guess how many most Americans are getting? If you've heard me say this before, don't cheat and shout it out. Ha, 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 ha. 15 grams of fiber a day. That's what most average Americans. Americans are getting. So you want to get that eight to 10 servings because it provides all those great micronutrients that you need, but it also adds that fiber, which is so, so important. It's not just leafy greens. All your good fruits and vegetables have a lot, you know, great fiber. Um, but the leafy greens specifically also support hepatic detoxification of estrogen. Also think about getting some fermented foods in your diet, like sauerkraut, kimchi, and coconut yogurt or kefir, um, uh, or a non-dairy to further support a healthy balance of gut flora. Because when you feed the gut flora with those good microbes that come from that, that lacto-fermented food, those also help to metabolize and eliminate estrogen. All right. So we've worked on reducing estrogen. How do we support ovulation? If your heavy periods are due to skipped ovulation, which commonly, as I mentioned, occurs along with excess estrogen, it's important to support your body in establishing regular ovulation. Again, to remind you, signs that you're ovulating include having regular menstrual cycles that are ideally 26 to 30 days, 34 days apart, and the presence of copious, clear, stretchy mid-cycle discharge. If you're having those, there's a pretty darn good chance that you're ovulating regularly. There are also other more subtle signs of ovulating that are really fun to learn about that I talk about um, in an article that I link over from um, this article associated with this podcast on... Um, understanding your menstrual cycle and just talks about like other things that come up like, like, uh, the desire to, um, wear more sexy clothing or to be out and about on the town or changes in our libido or spending habits that happen that can also be subtle, um, vital signs of ovulation. So if you aren't ovulating or the symptoms that I've just mentioned or mentioned earlier point in the direction that you're not ovulating, here are some of the strategies to kickstart ovulation. And these are safe for you to do as a general part of your lifestyle anyway. So it's important to do some of them like good sleep and relaxation to um, help support ovulation. So as I mentioned, flax seeds are really great for fiber and for providing those lignans that help with estrogen metabolism. But in addition to keeping your estrogen levels in balance, they have been shown to actually improve ovulation. So it's yet another reason to include two tablespoons of ground flax seed in your diet daily. Vitamin C has been shown, or ascorbic acid, has been shown to improve ovarian function, increase progesterone levels, and improve ovulation, which if you have improved ovulation, you get increased 
progesterone. Our ovaries are actually one of the highest vitamin C concentrated areas in the body. Isn't that amazing? Food sources aren't just limited to orange colored fruit or citrus. Rich sources include all citrus, not just oranges, kiwi, berries, pineapple, peppers, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts. Or you can supplement with a dose of 750 milligrams a day, which at that dose has been specifically shown to support ovarian health. Maitake mushroom, which you may have heard of for immune support, is an adaptogen with the specific ability to induce ovulation in people with PCOS. So it's a fantastic one to include for ovulation support. And the dose of that is 50 milligrams a day. You also want to get good sleep. You need between seven and nine hours of good sleep, depending on your personality, um, every night, every night to reset your natural hormonal clock. So you want to get on a regular sleep cycle that has you waking and going to bed roughly at the same time each day, preferably getting up by about seven in the morning and getting to bed between 10 and 11 at night, because that's the most natural circadian rhythm, melatonin cycle, and that gets our hormonal cycles into better rhythm and can help with ovulation. Adding relaxation practices is also important. Remember, I talked about cortisol from stress suppressing ovulation. Reducing stress in your life is easier said than done, as I started out talking about at the beginning of this episode. But getting the body out of cortisol, producing fight or flight mode, and into a more relaxed state is essential for improving progesterone levels. So be proactive about incorporating stress-reducing relaxation practices, whether it be meditation, yoga, journaling, being out in nature, or my personal favorite, dancing it out. In fact, y'all, you know what I just did? I, as I said, I'm a New Yorker through and through. I grew up in a housing project with street games. So like Ring Alivio, Scully, Hula Hooping, Stoop Ball. That's my jam too. I had a hula hoop given to me when I started medical school as a way to like just kind of stress reduce. My oldest grandkid used to call it my hoopy hoop. That's what Ari thought it was called. A hoopy hoop, not a hula hoop. But I just found out I guess I'm late to the game, that there are actually adult exercise hula hoops, like weighted hula hoops. I just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for FedEx or or UPS to deliver my hula hoop. Once I get it and get decent with it, I can hoop, like I can hoop, but I can't hoop dance. Once I get decent with it, I promise you, I will post a video on Instagram of my hooping. But anything that you find really fun, I found it really fun. I got out my kid hula hoop the other day, the one that I've had for like 16 years now, and just put on some music and started hooping the other day, just around my waist and around my knees. And oh my gosh, I was laughing most of the time. It was so fun. Even just being ridiculous with it was really fun. So find ways to exercise and relax that go together. That always works for me. You know, two things for the price of one in terms of like my time use, I'm exercising and relaxing. Oh yeah. Another thing that is really crazy, but great for your progesterone levels is connecting with your girlfriends. Studies specifically show that when we connect with our friends, when we as gals connect with our gal pals, our progesterone levels increase, improving cycle regularity and ovulation. And many of us let it fall to the wayside when life gets busy or we get, you know, COVIDed in place and we forget to connect by Zoom or on the phone and just laugh or do like a socially distanced visit. But I'd really love for you to consider connecting with your girl pals as part of your hormonal health. So set that time aside 
even if you're a busy mom or if work feels like all you have time for, phone calls, virtual hangouts, whatever you can do, boost your progesterone. There's no like dose on that though. Like there's no quantifying how much does it. So just just make it a regular part of your of your thing. All right. Finally, well, two more things. One is using herbs that reduce heavy bleeding. I mentioned earlier that herbs can be an amazing addition for reducing heavy bleeding and providing symptom relief as you work toward hormone balance. And here are my go-tos for heavy periods. There are just three. The first one is ginger root. It's one of the best for periods in general. Ginger acts as an anti-inflammatory and reduces heavy bleeding. And and it's and it also reduces cramping. So it kind of works like NSAIDs, like ibuprofen but it does it without the risks and side effects. So you've got the double benefit of helping with crampy, painful periods and reducing menstrual heavy menstrual flow, and those often go hand in hand. And it also helps with other period symptoms like nausea or bloating or headaches. And the dose is ginger capsules, 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams, up to three times a day. The next one is Vitex, also called chaseberry, which is an herb classically used for a variety of menstrual symptoms and has been shown to induce ovulation. It may reduce heavy flow over a few months of regular intake of 180 to 220 milligrams daily in capsules one, or once or twice a day, or five milliliters, which is about one teaspoon of liquid extract, also called tincture. Again, vivaram.com forward slash 145. All the doses are there for you. So bookmark it so you can go back to it whenever you want to. The last of the herbs, and there are many herbs that can be helpful for hormone balance and heavy bleeding. And I talk about tons of them on my website and in my new book, but a classic is yarrow tea. Yarrow is a beautiful herb. It grows commonly along roadsides and in meadows. um, And it's traditionally used at the start of your period for heavy menstrual bleeding. Ginger root can help with the underlying causes, right? It's an anti-inflammatory. It can help with the the kind of roots, root causes. Vitex is actually working at the level of your hormones. So you would take it every day throughout your cycle. Ginger, you would just usually take at the beginning of your period. Yarrow, you would only take at the beginning of your period. It's not doing anything for underlying causes so much. It's more acting as an astringent to help staunch the flow of heavy bleeding. And the dose is one to two cups a day during your heavy flow days. And you simply make, to make a cup of tea, you take two teaspoons of the dried yarrow flowers. You can get those from Mountain Rose online, Mountain Rose Herbs. You put them in a French press or a teapot with a strainer, and then you cover it with one cup of boiling water. You steep it for about 20 minutes and you strain it and you drink it warm. And um, not that you would have heavy periods during pregnancy, but yarrow is definitely not for use during pregnancy. Um, Okay, finally, finally, lifestyle tips. You've already done the heavy lifting with the steps that I've already mentioned for you. But for added support, here are a few tips that are pretty simple, but can go a long way for both the physical symptoms and um, just kind of feeling more comfortable during your cycle. So as I mentioned, finding the period products that are best for your flow level, not just, well, as I mentioned earlier, changing your period products can make a difference, but you want to find the period products that are best for your flow level while you're getting on top of reducing your flow, just to have peace of mind about period accidents. Because I know like no matter how all like Kieran Gandhi, we want to go about, you know, running a marathon with no pad while we're bleeding, most of us are going to feel awkward just bleeding through onto our clothes. And so most people who have really heavy periods are going to stay home if that's a big concern. And I get it. I mean, your mother-in-law is probably going to look at you pretty askance if you 
show up with, you know, period blood on your pants and go and try to sit on her sofa. So make sure that you're optimizing the products that are best for you. You can use heavy duty maxi pads, a heavier flow tampon with a pad for overflow. Just don't sleep in heavier flow tampons. Um, And then um, you can use absorbent period underwear, which are not the same as your period panties, like those things that you tuck in the back of the drawer, you know, the ones I'm talking about, I have those too. Um, But um, there are companies that make menstrual underwear that are highly absorbent. And um, you can also get pad a pad that you can sleep on at night if you tend to leak over your pad or tampon at night. And don't leave home without supplies. Make sure that you've got you know what you need in your bag or your backpack. Okay, and here's one that I know may sound weird to some of you, and it is messy, but if you're open to it, sex, especially orgasms during your period, can actually reduce the amount and number of days of heavy flow and cramps. If you think your partner might not be into it, think again. Most partners actually say in studies, surveys, that they don't mind. If you're too embarrassed or not into it or don't have a partner, self-pleasure works just as well for reducing heavy flow and cramping. So, all right, you got all this information. How long does it take? Assuming there's no further underlying cause like uterine fibroids, PCOS, or endometriosis, you can actually see results in two to four cycles with a combination of the above approaches, including the herbs, especially the ginger and the vitex. If you already know that you have a hormonal condition like PCOS or endo, it may take closer to six to 12 months or fibroids to start to reverse those conditions and see improvements. Um, You may see some improvement, but to get substantial, like long lasting improvement, plan on six to 12 months. So the jury's out until you've given it a good long shot. Um, And if you're still experiencing heavy periods beyond that time or have worsened symptoms or any of the symptoms I talked about that already suggest you need to see a medical provider, it's important to see that provider for further evaluation. All right, I promised you a little bit on conventional therapy. So what about conventional treatments? Heavy periods, especially when combined with severe menstrual cramps, as they often are, can be debilitating. Sometimes your symptoms are so severe, especially when dealing with a complex hormone condition, that you do need to turn to conventional treatments to help provide some relief. And I totally support you in that. But also know that it doesn't have to be one or the other. Natural approaches can be used along with conventional therapies to support healing in a holistic, integrated way. NSAIDs like ibuprofen do carry some risks with chronic use, but can be used to reduce a heavy flow and cramps too in a pinch or on an as-needed basis. Hormonal contraceptives like the pill or the progestin-containing IUD can also help, but keep in mind the pill is not addressing the root causes, nor is the IUD, of why you're experiencing heavy bleeding. It's only suppressing it and does have side effects and risks. So know that, and also know that when you stop the hormonal therapy, heavy periods may return and can even be worse. While surgical options are available and can be effective for endometriosis, uterine fibroids, and uterine polyps, I usually reserve them for my patients as a last resort due to the risks they carry. And of course, permanence, if you have a hysterectomy, for example, that would include preclude pregnancy if that's something you're hoping to experience. Heavy periods can be debilitating and disruptive. And despite what many women have been told to believe, it's not something normal you should just have to suffer, suffer through. I hope this episode helps you start on a path toward restoring hormone balance and finding the period ease you may never have believed possible.
If you want more on how to turn the tide on heavy periods and feel like you're in harmony with your hormones, not in a battle, be sure to check out my new book, Hormone Intelligence, which is available uh, for pre-order or order, depending on when you're listening. You can find that over at my website, avivaram.com forward slash book or wherever you buy books. Make sure to head back to my website to enter in your receipt code and get my free seven-day hormone intelligence quick start guide and a seven-day meal plan, particularly if you're pre-ordering and you want to get started before the book comes out. If you have found this episode helpful or you and or you feel this episode will be helpful for a woman you love, a young woman in your life, or even a medical practitioner, you're hoping more doctors hear this kind of stuff, please make sure to drop an excellent review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe and share this information about this podcast with others because the more folks hear about it, the more we really can change healthcare for women together. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you next time on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.